as I was studying, Paul Wilbur had a song, and I don't even know really what the name of it is. I think it has to do with The Battle is Yours, I believe. As I was studying and then this message and then the songs that, that happened today is really is to share, to give us hope during these dark times. Because there's a lot of crazy going on, and then when we're not acting crazy, we look crazy, okay? Because everybody else seems to be in panic mode, but there's a lot of, I mean, just trusting in Him. But whenever I was listening and I was reading, and we're going to go to Isaiah 51, so you can go to Isaiah 51. We're going to start in verse 1. But what it is, is the scene here in Isaiah 51 is Isaiah, the children of Israel are coming out of captivity from Babylon, going back home, and are supposed to be going back home. But anyway, so what the song meant to me as I was going through this, it fit perfectly. I don't know when this was written, if this is something new. I've not ever heard it before. And, but it says, the victory is mine because the battle is yours. And I want to sink that in because this is, as we go through this teaching, think about the victory's mine because the battle is yours. If we will allow him to fight the battles, we automatically get the victories. And he will, he will allow us to go through the lion's den. He will allow us to go through the fire when Nebuchadnezzar stokes it seven times hotter. Because if it's his battle, it doesn't matter. We're victorious in everything that he calls us to do. And that's the beautiful thing. It goes back to what we had talked about. The Spirit's been moving in this place. It's moving up in Jacob's tent. The Spirit is moving other places. I just don't know how He's moving. But He's really moving in a place to where He is telling His people. And He's trying to get our eyes open to see who surrounds us. It's not the enemy. It is His host that surrounds us. For those who pursue righteousness. So... If we have it, go ahead and play it. And then, I'll, and I wanted to do it like this because I wanted you to see the words as we were doing it. From the struggle, there will come triumph. You are strong. For you 
are faithful forever The victory is mine Cause the battle is yours I will dance in the midst of the fight I will sing in the eye of the storm I will shout you are faithful forever The victory is mine Cause the battle is yours The victory is mine Cause the battle is yours The victory is mine Cause the battle is yours I didn't even notice when I saw it, the eagle that was in there and how we come out of Sukkot with the eagle and the dove. That song encouraged me because as I was going through Isaiah, you can bring the house lights up if you want to, Deb, and as we was going through this and then I heard that song, we have, it is about perspective. It is about being prepared and being ready because the thing about it is, is if he is fighting the battle, it doesn't matter where you're dancing. It doesn't matter if it's the heat of the moment, if it's fire. It doesn't matter what your situation is. He's got our back and he's got, our, he's got us covered. And this is the promise that he has for us. And this is why it's so exciting to see what he's doing. Because when, when people, and look, I am, I am so understanding with everybody else here that this last year has been a very trying and, and, and challenging year. But I have seen the Spirit move among His people more this year like it's Sukkot than I've ever seen before. And that has to be because He's in it. Because if He wasn't in it, then you wouldn't have His Spirit moving. But this is, in, we'll just start off in the Scriptures in verse 1 in, uh, of Isaiah 51. And He says this. He says, Shema. He says, listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, you who seek Yahweh. I'm stopping right there. See, that's the whole attitude. Are we pursuing His righteousness? Seek you first what? The kingdom and His righteousness, and then what happens? All these things will be added to you. If you're not seeking or pursuing His righteousness, then guess what? He's not obligated to bring the blessings down on His people. And here, and what He's doing now the setting here is the children of Israel have been in, uh, it's been in Babylon in captivity for over 70 years, and now they're trickling out. They're starting to return home. But as they're returning home, he's, he's giving them a message, and the message is, listen to me and remember. He's gonna, we're going to get to a remember section later if we get that far. Because I, I, I was so excited because this is why this is so important, guys. We have to know who our king is. We have to know that we are in a battle, but the battle belongs to him. I mean, the battle in Egypt belonged to him. It didn't belong to Israel. I don't know of any miracle that Israel performed in Egypt. Yahweh performed these things. He said, stay in Goshen, hunker down. You're going to visit some plagues because I'm going to put the plagues on everybody. And then soon you won't be touched any longer. Then I'm going to bring the plagues on the rest of the wicked and the unrighteous. But we have to know that we need to. And that was one thing that as we were up at Jacob's tent, we was at the Hanukkah conference, that Bill and Halisa and all of us, we were seeing that there's been teachings and teachings, which teachings are great. But it is now for his body to put these teachings into action. 
We have to wear this. We have to walk this out. This is what he's doing for his people. Because I'm telling you, and if you've not learned anything else when you have watched this election cycle that you went through where they have censored people on YouTube, they have censored people on Google and Twitter and, I don't know, Facebook, there you go, all of these things, don't think that they're not coming after the body of Messiah next. They're going to try to censor so we have to so people need to hear the voice and whatever the voice is speaking to the people you need to get plugged in somewhere somehow. Amen. You just need to get plugged in. You don't need to be straggling behind where Amalek picks you off because that's what he does. So he's saying here, listen, Shema, listen with the intent to obey. You who pursue righteousness, you who seek Yahweh. Now I'm telling you the reason why I stopped there is because if you're not doing this None of the rest of this chapter means anything to you. It's just words to you. And it's just empty words to you. Because this is written to a people who's in love with their Heavenly Father. This is written to a people. This is not written to the ten virgins. This is written to the five who's got the oil in their lamps. And they had extra. This is what this is written to. And he makes it very clear. And what does he say? He's, he's telling me, look to the rock from which he was hewn. This rock here, I'm using it. This rock here is Yeshua. He, he is the rock. And to the quarry from which you were dug. Well, who's the quarry? Abraham. Because Yeshua come from Abraham. He is the seed. Yahweh made a covenant from Abraham. That's the quarry. That is the place where Yeshua was dug out of. And he is our rock today. He is our salvation. And he's saying, look to this rock and look to the quarry. Abrahamic covenant's not over with people. The Abrahamic covenant is just as live today as it was back then. And he says, look to Abraham, verse 2, your father and to Sarah who bore you. In other words, he's saying, look to you. He's saying, remember the covenant that I made with Abraham. Listen what he's saying here. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. He's encouraging Israel here because they came out of a dark place. And he's saying, guys, I chose one man. And if I can make, I made you a nation, Israel, a nation and a multitude of nations from this one man. Don't think that I can't, you know, uh, perform my promises to you and I can't keep these covenants. If I took one man and made a nation, I can do it again. And I am with you. And he's sharing with them the time of your captivity is over with. Now, if you will pursue me, I will bring the same blessings that I promised Abraham. And it says this, for Yahweh comforts Zion. Who is Zion? That's Jerusalem. Yahweh comforts Zion. He's saying he comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like what? Eden. Guys, even if we're still in the wilderness, he makes our wilderness like Eden. If we can receive it. If we will walk in it. Because whenever the plagues is touching Egypt. They're not touching Israel. And whenever there's a wilderness experience that's happening. At the same time we can walk in the garden. We will have our wilderness experiences. Because they are there to grow us. To prepare us for what? The garden. Because if you can't live righteousness in the wilderness. You won't live that way in the garden. You'll be just like Adam. You'll misuse it. and He'll kick you out. So there's a preparation that's happening. And he's saying that he will 
make our waste places. Um, he will comfort us in these places. He's comforting us now. He's going to make our wilderness like Eden. Her deserts like the garden of sorrow. A joy, gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and a voice of song. I love that last song that they did. I mean, it was just very, very, very powerful. The promises that he has for us. Verse 4. He says again, give attention. Listen to me. Give attention. Pay attention. And he names something. He says, my people. We are his people. We need to act like his people. We need to be his people. And he's saying, give attention, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. He says, for a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. So what he's saying is, is listen to me and give an ear, because a law or instructions will go out from me. And I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. If we will walk out his Torah, if we will walk out his instructions, then you and me become a light. This is what Yeshua was talking about in Matthew. He's saying that you are a light to the nations. And if a light, you don't put our light under a bushel to hide it. It is to be able to shine forth through the nations. So the very Torah, if I got into that scripture, nope, don't want to jump ahead. So for, because we're going to get to where he, he's, it's even in our mouth. So you can see that where it is happening in, in, the reason why we experienced it last weekend, we've made some great connections. We're seeing people that are really now, I think, more fired up about the Torah and about his ways than I've seen in a, in, in a long, long time. There's been a lot of cheerleading. I don't think there's cheerleading anymore. I think there's people that's in there to play the game. I think that they've gotten rid of their cheerleading suit and suited up with the football gear. I think now they're ready for the battle because they're realizing that we're in a battle, amen? And the beautiful thing is, is like he said here, he's telling us to give here. He is going to, he's given us his instructions, and we need to hold on to them, because he's setting his light for a justice to the people. Verse 5, my righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out. Listen to what he says next. My arms will judge the people's. What does it say next? The coastlands hope for me. Hello, coastlands. The nations. Where he has scattered his people out amongst them. He has not forgotten us, his people. Even the coastlands are hoping. We have that hope. Their hope is in him. And our hope is in him. We're hoping for him. And we do. And he says this. He says, and for my arm they wait. And we understand what the arm means. The arm is strength, power, any times it talks about is his might, and that's why I really love this song, because the coastlands hope in me for my arm, they will wait. In other words, the victory's mine because the battle is his. And even the coastlands, all of those who are scattered, because see, it ties back to even the nations here, because it ties back to verse one. Look to the rock and look to the quarry, because he is not forgotten. His word. Amen. You know, in Second Peter, I mean, First Peter 2, 9, he called us what? A royal priesthood. And he called us out of darkness into what? His marvelous light, because his light is marvelous. And so guess what? He's saying this. We are his pressure, precious possessions. Verse 6. Lift up your eyes to heaven. 
and look at the earth beneath. Now, guys, this is the reason why he's sharing this, I believe, right here in this, this focus. He's shifting just a little bit. He's telling us to keep our eyes, number one, on him. Don't go to the left and to the right. But he's telling us to do something right now. He's saying, look to the heavens and now look to the earth. Because he is going to bring something. This is prophetic. And this is what's happening today. It has already happened and it will continue to happen. But this is no doubt happening today. He says, for the heavens vanish like smoke and the earth will wear out like a garment. For they, do, for they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Now that's the second time he brought out a promise and he said this, my salvation and my righteousness will be forever. But yet he, he brought a little bit of a, um, a judgment here with the heavens vanishing and the earth wearing out. So look what he says in verse 7. Didn't that say, listen to me? Here he goes again. Pay attention. Shema, listen to me. You who know. Now, it's not those who now pursue. It's now those who know righteousness. Who have an intimate relationship with me. Those who are now intimate with me. The people in whose heart is my law. Where did he say that he was going to write his Torah? On our hearts and on our minds. There's the transformation now of the end times here. He's talking now not just to the people coming out of, out of Babylon. He's talking to me and you today. Now he's talking to us through his word. Because back then the law wasn't written. On their hearts and minds. Because Yeshua wasn't there yet. But now he's sharing with us. The people in whose heart is my law. And then he's given us something. And this is something. That guys. We need to take heed of. Fear not the reproach of man. It's easier said than done. This is why we talked about. The mark of the beast. Is all about buying and selling. Because whenever. Whenever the enemy. And this is one thing that I mentioned up there in, in Bill. We, we sort of like this because uh, I got this from her father-in-law. It says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, comma, then Yahweh would raise up a standard. But I liked it like this. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, he will raise up a standard. It puts us on the offense. And like I told Bill and him, I'm not no, uh, how do you say it? Uh, I'm not a grammar. Well, you definitely know I'm not a grammar teacher. And so I don't even know if they had commas in Hebrew. They didn't have no punctuation. So I like that. I don't know why they chose it that way. But I like it. When the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Holy Spirit will come rushing in to our defense. And he will raise a standard. What is the standard? It's Torah. It's his instructions. It's that light. He's going to raise that up against the enemy when the enemy comes in. And, guys, the enemy is flooding in. And it is up to us now at this moment, this time, to continue to pray for what's going on. We don't stop praying. For our nation, we don't stop praying for Israel. They're having the same issues that we are with these lockdowns and all of that kind of crazy stuff. But he's, he's telling us here that we are not to fear the reproach of man nor be dismayed at their revilings because they will revile you. They will jaw. Remember, Satan likes to talk a lot. Don't listen to him. Always remember when Satan is talking, Say, you got something to say to me? Talk to Yeshua. I'm his now. I ain't got nothing else to say to you. 
You wore me out before I was a, before I got saved. Now I'm saved by His grace. Guess what? I ain't got nothing to say, but it is written. Talk to Him. Amen. That's right. Talk to my attorney. That's exactly right. An advocate. Talk to my attorney. I like that one. That's it. Amen. And you have to use it. If you don't, he will defeat you. He'll pull you away and get you into making a bad deal that your attorney had to get you out of again. Amen. Verse 8. He says, for the moth will eat them like a garment. Now, Yahweh is sharing about the wicked. The wicked, they come out, they can roar like a lion. But they have no teeth. Amen. They can't devour you. They can roar and they can, you know, do whatever they do, but they have no teeth. They can't, they can't fulfill what they're, what they're roaring about. He says, for the moth will eat them up like a garment and a worm will eat them like wool. And he says again, but my righteousness will be forever and my salvation all generations. So you're, you're seeing here, he's saying, listen to me, Shema, but he keeps going on and he's saying that my salvation and my righteousness will stand forever. He is doing the best he can. And we only got eight verses. And he has went over and over and over. Why? Because he knows that Israel is disheartened. He knows that they've been in captivity for these 70 years. And he knows just like when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, he had to bring them into a wilderness area to train them and teach them before he could take them into the promised land. But now he's not bringing them back to a wilderness. He's bringing them back home. And on their journey, on their way back home, as they get ready to go, he's encouraging them to remember, to remember, where have you seen this before? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I brought you into captivity, captivity because of your unrighteousness, your sin because you didn't keep the Shemitah all of these years. You didn't trust me to let the, the land rest. And because you did that, I brought you into captivity. Now your debt is paid. Amen. Now I'm bringing you back out. Don't make the same mistake. But when you come out, don't come out defeated. Come out knowing that I'm leading you out. I led you in there, and I can lead you out. Amen? So he leads us through these paths of righteousness. Guys, he didn't forsake them. Even when you go to the book of Daniel and you're seeing this, he rose up Daniel. So what does it happen? They all show up there, and you got Daniel, and then you got the boys. So what did he do? He brought hardship. He brought them uh, in, a, in testings and all of that so that they would trust in him. Because really, whenever Yahweh brought the uh, three Hebrew children and Daniel, when he brought them into Babylon, when he brought the cream of the crop first in the Babylon, you know, there was like two years that he brought the cream of the crop in there before the exile really started happening to where they were bringing them into Babylon. They brought the best in there first. So what did Yahweh do? He took that time before the rest of them showed up. He setting up his kingdom within a kingdom. He's setting up a way that where my people can still, who hear my voice, can still honor me with the feast and with the festivals and doing the Torah. He set that up. But yet these boys, they had to trust that the victory is mine because the battle is yours. They had to know and trust that I'm not going to eat the king's meat and I'm not going to drink the king's wine. And by not doing that, they already had their minds made up. But Yahweh allowed them to go in there first to do what? To set up for the rest of the people to come in that they would be able to worship Yahweh during their time of captivity. He didn't even leave them in captivity where they couldn't worship him and look at and, and follow his ways. This is an awesome element. When we mess up and we have messed up, 
And this is why this is important. I don't know what's going to happen with this wilderness experience and all of this stuff, but I know he's bringing judgment to his people. And I know he's bringing judgment on this land because too many people's killing too many babies. We have got, I don't even know how many, I don't even want to know how many it is anymore. And that clock is still ticking about these, how they're aborting people and, and what they're doing. But yet, he does know those who pursue him, his salvation and his righteousness is forever. And he will make us a way, no matter if it's a David situation or if it's a Daniel situation, he is going to provide a way for us to function like we're supposed to function as Torah believers, no matter where we're at. We just need to know the battles is his, and then the victory will be ours. If we get off and we get out of track and thinking that we can start fighting this battle on our own, we're lost. We're done. We will be defeated. That's why he brought Daniel and he brought these boys, and he did that in front of, you think Nebuchadnezzar was happy whenever them three boys didn't bow down to him when they said, all right, we're going to blow the horn? This is one thing that I think Bill had mentioned. I don't know if it's Bill or, or, or Halisa. Remember when Daniel, he um, interpreted the dream, the head of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and clay, and all that mix. Remember that? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, in his pride, he said, well, you know what? We don't need a decrease. What I'll do is, is I'll circumvent what Yahweh's going to do. I'll make the whole image of gold. So it'll always be strong. It can never be destroyed. And so then he made that image, and he told him, he says, you guys, at a certain time, we're going to blow the trumpet, and you will bow down. And guess what? When the trumpets blew, they were three standing up. And Nebuchadnezzar was not happy. But yet, Yahweh, and I'm going to tell you, that's the way it is. We just read it. His justice is a light to the nations. So guess what? You are a light to the nations. And guess what? Whenever that trumpet blows, whenever whoever in the government or whatever turns around and says, you will bow to the image, you will take this or you will take that, I ain't saying. But whatever he tells you, you will do and you're not going to do, guess what? You will be seen. You cannot hide. When everybody bows, you're going to be standing and said, I will not bow to this system. I will not bow to Babylon. I will not bow to the head of gold or the body of God. I'm not going to do this. And guess what? They're going to be mad. But you have to know, O oh king, my king is greater than you. Whether he delivers me or whether I burn, I will serve only him. I will not bow to this image. But Yahweh brought that. Because by bringing that, and you may be those ones, you may be the ones that have to stand in that hour and not bow because when they didn't bow, guess what? They was the very deliverance for all the rest of them that was coming into captivity that hadn't even made it yet. Because whenever that king saw that fourth man in that fire, he was saying, get them out. He was saying, get them out because he knew something divine happened. And he realized at that moment that he wasn't the God of the earth. And he realized, and he brought those boys out, and then there's a proclamation made. We will serve the God of these boys. We will serve the God of Daniel. And nobody, and anybody caught messing with them, death penalty for them. This is how awesome, but guess what? 
That's what he's saying. There's a light that's going to be pulled out of there. You got to be prepared to be that light. Whoever it may be. It may be a congregation full of people. It may be one or two. I don't know. But yet he is going to pull. I'm telling you. Anytime there's an exodus. There's a cream of the crop that goes out first. And there's a reason why the cream of the crop goes out. It's because usually a nation doesn't want all the people. I'm just going to say it. Just, they don't need all the people that don't work anyway. They just soon to leave them over there and let them starve to death. But all the people that can be prosperous and productive in their country, they will bring out the engineers. They'll bring out the smart people and the people first to be able to help their country. But I'm just saying that the father knows what he's doing and the boys realize this is his battle, this is not ours. And then there's a victory in it. This is a mindset that we have to have. Where in the world am I at? Verse 8. Go, verse 9. Then he says this. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of Elohim. Awake, as the days of old. Now he's telling them something here. As the days of old. He's not telling them about Babylon here because that was present. Now he's referring, where have we seen this exodus before? And where would we have seen this exodus before? Egypt. Because this is why in the scriptures, in Ezekiel, it tells us that whenever we're doing the feast, that it is to be a what? A memorial, a remembrance. Whenever they were telling these Passover stories every year for generations, then they are not to forget. So now all of a sudden, Here's a live exodus is happening from them coming out of Babylon, going back to uh, Israel. How is this going to work? He's saying, now remember as in the days of old, and you'll see how it's going to work. This is what the reminder's about. And do you know what? He's going to tell us that one day. He's going to remember as the days of old. Remember when you're doing the satyrs? Remember when you're telling, retelling these stories? Remember because it's going to be the same way. The exodus is always the same pattern throughout scriptures, when they're coming out of captivity going somewhere. He doesn't change it up. So he says, awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. See, generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces and pierced the dragon? Now, when I read the word Rahab there, I was like, what in the world is he talking about? Because Rahab was the one who helped the spies. But this is not Rahab the Rahab. This is, this is a poetic name that was given to Egypt. And so this is the way it was said. It says that Rahab is a, a poetic name that was given to Egypt. They all knew what it meant. The dragon was Sobek. S-O-B-E-K. Which was an Egyptian crocodile god. And that Egypt, Sobek was the one who was the one who had created the world and the Nile. He was the God of power, virility, or manhood, fertility, and strength. So now this makes sense when you know exactly who Rahab and who the dragon is. So the dragon was the crocodile god, Sobek, and that was one of the gods that he defeated right off the bat when he turned the Nile into what? Blood. And he defeated it, and then he was continually beating their Nile god or the crocodile god. And you can look these up. You can look up Sobek, and you'll see what he was all about. He just he thought he was powerful. 
So that's why I was saying, as in the days of old, the generations long ago, was it not you who cut Rahab or Egypt in pieces, who pierced the dragon or Sobek, who one who killed the God, the very God, and he names him because he is the one who they believe created all of the world. So that's why he brought him out, he brought him out here. So the Israelites know this. I didn't know this. I have to look it up to try to figure out. I just knew Rahab didn't fit there. You know, I was just saying something's not right here because Rahab ended up being the one who delivered spies and it ended well for her. So anyway, you can see, though, he's, he's drawing them back because the Israelite people knew exactly who he was talking about. Then he goes on, he says this in verse 10. He says, was it not you who dried up the sea and the waters of the deep uh, of a great deep? And it says, who made the depths of the sea a seaway for the redeemed to pass over. In other words, there's that song that we sing. What is it? He made the seaway a highway or something like that. Isn't there a song like that that we, we sing? I don't know. Maybe I just sing it in my sleep. But he's telling us here, he's showing the picture of here when he brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And the key is, is this, for the redeemed to pass over. Those who are called according to his purposes. Those who pursue righteousness. Those who have the instruction and who's obeying his ways. These are the ones that who are the redeemed. These are the ones that he is going to deliver and bring out. Verse 11. And a ransom of Yahweh shall return and come to Zion with singing. Remember what happened with us at the very beginning when I really didn't know what I was talking about? Whenever the Father gives me things and I just say this is what He gives me, I just don't really understand all the things. But it was praise, 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 praise. And then you hear these songs and you hear all the things that's been happening since Sukkot has, happens to do with praising Him, praising Him, and praising Him. And then the reality is this, that He is going to put a song in our mouth so that we will praise Him as we honor Him. And the thing is, is it goes back to what we know. The praisers went out before the warriors did. And that, because why? The battle is his, and the victory is mine. He thinks opposite than we do. No, I'm sorry. He thinks right. We think opposite than he thinks. That's the right way of saying it. Because what would we do? We would bring out the big guns. For, we're going to bring out the Abram tanks. We're going to bring out things. As, if they got a stick, we're going to bring out a tree. You know, whatever they got, we want to bring out something bigger than them. Why do we want to do that? Because our confidence is in that we have a bigger stick than they do. But Yahweh says your confidence is not in your own strength, big boy. Your confidence is in me. And if not, go on out there and you'll find out that I don't care what kind of stick you got, you will not win that battle. He'll drop something on your head from the sky. So the key is, is for us to send out the praisers. That's what he does. He sends out the ones in the pretty plazos. He sends out the ones in the fancy garments. And he's got all the soldiers and all of their armor in the back. Because most of the time, when that happens, and they blow those shofars, and when the banners are waved, walls start crashing down in their lives. And they start, he puts them to flight, and it's all about him. And so guess what? Just carry your sword. And be, be thankful that you didn't have to use it. And let him fight these battles. This is what he's promised for us. And this is what he was reassuring Israel. And I'm telling you, this is the reason why I believe he gave me this message. That
That's right. This is our sword, his word. And this is why I believe he's given us this message that we need to be comforted to know that he's got this, that he's causing all of this craziness to go on, that we call craziness, but he knows what he's doing because he is separating, he is dividing and conquering is what he's doing. He's separating the sheep from the goats. So the ransom of Yahweh shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their head and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and singing. I mean, the sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So he tells us, if you're in a place of sorrow and if you're in a place of sighing, praise, praise him. Put on some praise music and just get praising him. And I'm telling you, all of that mess will go away and his spirit will flood you. And when the enemy comes in, like a flood, he will come in and he will defeat the enemy that's trying to bring you to a dark place. This is not just a one-time thing that happens to the children of Israel. This happens all the time in every cycle and every generation. You see this happening to his people. Let's go down to, and I'll finish up, in 15 and 16. He says, I am Yahweh your Elohim who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. Yahweh of hosts is his name. Then he says this, I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. Now, where have we seen the words in his mouth in the covering? Back in Egypt, where he set his cloud over us to cover us with a hoopah or a canopy. And he put his words in our mouth. He put his words in the mouth of his prophets Moses and Aaron and his people. Because even when he established, whenever Moses was being worn out by judging, what did he do? He took 70 elders. And so what did they do? They put their spirit on them, and he put his word in their mouth that they would have proper righteous judgment. He has done that for us. He has put his words, very words, in our mouth, and he has covered us with his presence, with the Holy Spirit. Establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. I want to read one more verse and then I'll finish with this one. Because we are his people and it was Isaiah 65, 17. You can just write it down if you want. Because he says this, he says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former shall, be not, uh, shall not be remembered nor come to mind. So we know that there's coming a day that there is a new heavens and a new earth. Guys, this is one thing that we've been going through in our defenders class with the young people and some of the parents. What are we to inherit? The earth. We are to inherit the earth. What it is, it's going to be a new earth. It's not going to be this thing. Nobody wants what we got now. Okay? But this is going to be like it was in the garden before the fall. He's going to make the new heavens. And look, if, if nobody was going to be on the earth, he would have never put that there. He would have never said that there would be a, a heaven and a new earth and a new city called Jerusalem coming down. If there's no earth, he's not going to leave it blank. There's there for a purpose because we were designed to inherit it and it is not to be any different than his very throne. It's all to be one. Where did Yahweh walk? He walked with the children, Adam and Eve, in the what? The midst of the garden. He walked in the cool of the day. He was with them. So don't think when somebody, they always have this knee-jerk reaction that, well, I don't want to be on the earth. Well, guess what? He rules. But he's here. 
He's not going to be vacated. He's going to walk among us. He's going to be with us, and we're going to rule with him, and Yeshua is going to sit on the throne. Amen? He is the one that's designed. He is the last Adam, not the second. He's the last one. He's it. He paid the price. There's a time for the bride. We're going to set up. And he's given them hope to let them know, I'm taking you physically back to your place for now. But even that, there's going to come a day when all of this is going to be gone and you're going to rule and reign with me in the new heavens and the new earth with Yeshua the rock that was coming out of the quarry, which was Abraham. He paints the whole picture of how everything started. But what he was doing is, is just like what our job is here is to remind you of days of old, to remind you of all the victories that has happened in the past so that we have hope for what we're going through now and that we don't panic. Because now, let me say this, and I'm going to end with this piece right here. What happened in Nashville yesterday? There was an explosion that happened in Nashville. Somebody drove up an RV packed with explosives. They weren't sure how many explosives cars, but I think now after they know that that one was it, they found the human remains of somebody. They don't know if they were in the, they don't know. But what I'm saying is, is this, that person or people or whatever sent a message. They sent a message because that is the day on Christmas Day when nobody's out. Everybody's at Waffle House. And the reason why I know that, I tried to get something to eat at lunch and Waffle House was packed. Doug, it was packed. I thought they were supposed to be eating Christmas dinner somewhere. Why ain't y'all in our congregation if y'all ain't doing Christmas so anyway, so here it is. Nobody's there, so it was designed to send a message to do destruction, but it was also to let people know we can do this because you didn't know we could do it. You wasn't alerted that we could do it, so we can do it. This is why it's important that we need to be where the Father has called us to be on the time that he called us to be so we're not in these places. So it also should show you that if we're where he says to be, we need to be there. And we should not be where he's telling us not to be. Amen? Because I think not only is he sending a signal to the government and all of that, that we can do these things, what he's doing is he's sending a signal to us. We need to be about our Father's business. And he has a shield of protection around us. I'm excited for what he is doing in the future and what he, what he, how he's going to bring families in here. With us to make bigger families. I'm excited. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Lord.